0: And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the first Monday podcast of 2023 on the first January 2nd of 2023. Um, I'm sure there's a few more throughout the year. So I think there's one in May. Um, we have not had a good day today, have we, boys? We have Gally with us and we have Jamie. Um, how are we feeling so far about the game today, Gally?
1: Yeah, this was a rough one. Um, I got to be honest with you. I didn't think coming off Friday's uh performance i would be more disappointed and i i feel in some ways i think when you have the result you have to take that with take that into account as well so um back to back just poor performances from the lads and it's not the way we need to be starting 2023 off that's for sure
2: Yeah, jamie what did you think of it overall uh, oh it's good to see your faces lads get this therapy session under their on their way um yeah no it, it was um it's one to take on the chin um a stark reminder that we're not firing on all cylinders we're missing key clientele we're missing um effort and and that's 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 the big thing right when you put on the shirt that the the one thing all us fans want to see is is that graft and and you know we're all kind of sick to the back teeth of of the whole uh intensity is our identity bullshit when you get um performances like that and and that, that first 45 was was one to remember um probably for the best left in 2022 with the rest of the crap memories but um yeah we move on first of the first of the year
0: uh Gally I just want to pick up on something that Jamie said there and see what your thoughts on it and um, you know we are missing players but today, we pretty much had our strongest two defenders on the field, our strongest right back, and our first team goalkeeper, and yet we still conceded the first goal yet again. What what do you think about that? Where do you think that's coming from, and why can't we fix it?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think there's a combination. I mean, I would argue we conceded the first goal of the game, and if it wasn't for VAR, we could have conceded the second, third, and fourth goals of the game as well. Um, you know you're in a really bad place when – literally every time they score you're trying to like quickly zoom back into did it come off his hand before that own goal went in was he off sides like what happened to the days where we didn't worry we just went into matches and we weren't going to concede um you know i always find it hard i always find it easy to blame the defense anytime virgil looks human so and he looked beyond human today he looked pedestrian he looked like a regular human he got subbed off and We'll, we'll get into the um, – and I'm going to use air quotes, calling it an injury, a precautionary injury, because honestly, I think he got yanked as much on merit and play as he did for the fact that he felt something. Um, I thought he was absolutely, for the first 45 minutes, the worst player on the pitch. And I think that when you rely on your vocal leader at center back to lead and command the presence – I feel like when he is not at top form, everyone goes a step below. And I think we saw it with Canate at times today. Um, And I really think you saw it with uh, Costas. I thought Costas was shockingly bad as well. And that didn't help Virgil because he had to cover for him all match. So if you ask me where I think that first goal was conceded from today, I think it was the weak play down the left-hand side of our defense. And I think that uh, Wisa is still grinning from ear to ear thinking he has chances to score uh jamie um
0: just to, to kind of expand that point a little bit from Gally, uh because it was something i thought during the game um i mean wissa scored he scored a goal he had a goal chalked off for offside at what point do you think does somebody take responsibility and say we have to watch this guy he, he's already hurt us even if they didn't get away with it he, he's clearly a danger. Where, where does the leadership come from there? Does it come on the pitch? Or does should it necessarily come from the sidelines?
2: I mean, if you're having to ask yourself that question mid-game, um, it's probably too late. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's down to certain individuals that this game was won or lost. I think everyone to a man... Um, in the home stadium wanted that more. And yeah, I mean, fair enough. Wissa it done done the magic tonight, done. But he, he's not known for his finishing. He's not a great he hasn't got a great return. Um so I don't I don't necessarily think it's down to one player or down to, to one player on our side who who's missed the boat or missed the memo. I mean I know certain players will 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 get the headlines and certain players will be examined under the microscope and that's probably fair enough um you know in terms of virgil van dyke's performance you know we can definitely afford ourselves to, to look into to his um injury to his uh ego or to his thigh whichever it was whichever came first the chicken and the egg right um but yeah. uh we i mean i don't know mic. i don't i don't i don't necessarily put it down to one person that we won or lost this game but um if you're having to ask those sorts of questions mid game, I think it's 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 too late and, and you know you need your players to stand up and, and, and take account of themselves. Um I'm sure we'll get on to Klopp's responses. I know we're all over the place here tonight, but look, it, it it's a hard one to take. Um and, and performance levels were, were low. So yeah, I don't know. Man marking isn't our style, so I don't know if we were gonna, you know, focus on 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 Wissa, but yeah got a couple of goals tonight, didn't they?
0: But at the same time, though, Jamie uh, and Gally, we've all played the game um, to various levels, but reasonable levels, um, I think. Um, And you don't usually get scouting in in schoolboy and schoolgirl football. You know, you'll play a team, maybe you'll play them again next year, you'll identify somebody who's dangerous. But most of the time, you have to figure it out as the game goes on. Um, As much as we don't man-mark, at the same time, when somebody is clearly getting space, you kind of have to close that space around you on the fly, don't you? You need somebody to say, you know, just pay a little bit of extra attention to this guy. And we didn't. Um, if schoolboy coaches and schoolgirl coaches up and down the land in America and England and Ireland and France, Spain and everywhere else can get that kind of thing, right? Why couldn't Klopp?
1: Yeah, I think I think what it comes down to there is is that you know, we looked like we were going to concede on every single set piece they had. I mean, literally, w- they almost scored, what, on the first two corners before the corner that yielded the own goal. Ali made the great save, and then there was the one with, what, it was a, I think it was Trent had a goal line clearance. I mean, we looked like we were at sixes and sevens anytime they came forward at us. It wasn't just, it felt like, like the man marking on the set pieces. We just didn't look like we were organized. And, you know, you talk about, you know, boy, schoolboy and boy, girl, you know, football, you don't get the scouting. Well, this is advanced scouting at the highest level. They spent every minute from the moment they recovered from the Lester match, planning tactically to attack this side without Ivan Tony. And somehow without their flat track bully, we got bullied off the pitch. Like, to me, it's scary how bad this could have been if Tony got to play.
0: Uh, Jamie, um in, in terms of, you know, that I mean, Gally makes a great point there. We, we literally have been planning this from the second the final whistle left, uh, 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 was blown uh, to, to the kickoff today. We knew what we were going to get. There, there's no surprises with Brentford. They're a direct team. I, I love watching them play because I'm a huge fan of direct play. As anybody who grew up in... 1980s Ireland with Jack Charlton would, would attest to, and um, it, it has its uses if it's done well. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we are Liverpool. We are recent league champions and recent Champions League champions, and, and just came out with Champions League final uh, last season. Um, why couldn't we get that right, Jamie?
2: I mean, it all counts for nothing. It's all it's all on the day, right? And I mean. We talk about scouting. We know how Brentford are gonna play. Everybody and their dog knows how Brentford are gonna play. They're gonna try and overload the wings, they're gonna try and hit us on offensive set pieces, and, and they've done well. And they are direct and they are strong and they're in form, uh up against the big six, as it's called. There's your air quote brackets, galley. Uh the big the big six. Um, they've done very well. Um, you know, we should have had our scouting done since the three three. Do you know what I mean? You know we know we know how to set up against these teams. Um, so, I mean, a certain amount of credit has to go to them, and then you know then we have to lick our wounds and and see exactly where we we let them slip around the back. Um, because Trent had three guys to mark at all times. Um, likewise, you know the midfield was non-existent. I read earlier that. Um, you know, you, you speak about the title winning season. Ali's already saved as many saves as he had in the 1920 season today. I think it's 50 58 or something like that. Like he 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 has no defense in front of him and he's got no midfield in front of them. There's no there's no cover. Um when when players are just waltzing through the the midfield three and the back four, it's shocking. Um so you know Yes, we can say that we're we're recent Premier League winners and all the rest, but all that counts for naught on the day um, when you're up against the team that wants it more, uh, a team that um, isn't afraid to stand up and take one on the chin. Um, you know, it's just it's a difficult pill to swallow today, isn't it? Like that's it.
0: Uh, golly. Um, as much as we're, you know, talk about the scouting for this game, the script for today's match, we've seen before the season already, haven't we? We've seen it several times in fact, and it doesn't seem like we're plugging the gaps effectively. Uh, do you, do you have any opinions that might be?
1: Um, I mean, to be totally honest, I've been a broken record on this topic, right? I, I was calling for recruitment in the summertime I was calling it a failure by this club. I didn't blame Klopp. I didn't blame the transfer committee. You know, I was saying by not strengthening strengthening the midfield, they were in turn basically waving a white flag at this season. Because I felt coming off of last year where, and I was critical of this side coming down the stretch of last campaign. You know, the way we finished, I mean, we we really had to, we tugged everything right across the line to, Hang on to City. You know, we looked like a side that was completely out of gas in the Champions League final. And to start this campaign, it felt like a team that had lost a little bit of its mojo. And I, I love the kids. But I'll be honest, when I saw first match of the season opening day and Harvey Elliott was starting as one of the three in the midfield three of a team that was supposed to go chase down City for the highest honors, I thought we were in trouble. And he's had some really bright performances. And I think if Harvey Elliott is your fifth or sixth midfielder on your depth chart, you are doing something special. And he'll get bedded in and he'll give you lots. But I think asking that guy to start match in and meet match out since August was literally was something criminal of this club to do. It was too much to put on him. And honestly, we've seen it weaken players all around him. Our center backs look weaker. Fab look weaker next to him. Trent looks weaker with him in front of him. And Mo looks different with him behind him. And I do think that has to, that's because we didn't buy an adult ready-made midfielder and we're playing a makeshift number 10 in a number eight role. I don't think physically he's ready to do it. And I think it impacts everyone. And I think mentally and for the long run, it could impact him the worst out of anyone, which is what I hate the most out of it. Um, and we saw Jamie, it today, by the way. Sorry. We you know, saw that's it today. Okay. It, okay. It, it,
0: it's, a, it's a good point, but I want to I want to add uh, on to that and keep that uh, point, expand a little bit. Look at the average positions today. Okay. So what you say is almost correct. We can see there that Mo, Harvey Elliott, and Trent are pretty much in the same position, which if you're Brentford's back five, that's probably one of the easiest things you're ever going to get defend this to, to defend this season. But at the other hand, the gaps between Elliot, Fabinho and Tago, who's almost sitting on top of uh, Costas, uh, it really is a dysfunctional midfield, isn't it? It's mm. almost like nobody has a role to play. So they're all kind of trying to figure out where to be. Uh, and then you can also see that uh, Nunes is almost playing the Bobby Firmino role. He's dropped right back in as instead of being the figurehead for the attack. Um A couple of things on it. So, number one, are we playing too far apart in the midfield? And is that a function of who's in there? Uh, And number two, is the Thiago experiment dead? Because he does need to impact games when it's a team that has um, like a a good, solid block of defending. Jamie?
2: Um, What was the first one again there? No, the Uh, Thiago experiment isn't dead. Uh, Let's just get that one out of the way.
0: Why do you not think so?
2: Um, it's very easy to to put it on Tiago. I, I would I would equally argue that the the Fabinho experiment has come to an end. If if we're going to start leveling um, the ends of careers, I would you know maybe Fabinho should be talked about before Tiago's. Um,
0: but just just to clarify, I'm not talking about the ends of careers. What I'm saying is is that. Thiago, we we talked about this before, I think, on Thursday. Thiago has a certain style of opponent where he's incredibly effective because they're pushing on him and he can play those first-time curved passes over the backs of defenders. But against these blocked defences, it's almost like the Coutinho thing. You kind of expect that creative player to create the chances. And I believe, if I remember correctly, at the end of the first half, we had one shot on target and it was uh, the fullback, I think. It was Costas.
2: My point there is, you know a creative player can only operate really at full tilt when you've got other bodies doing the hard gritty work for him. And I don't think he had that today. So, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm at with, you know, Fab didn't really do any, anything there to protect him. You take a look at the the position there, you would imagine that if that was Henderson, he would be dropping back a bit more to cover for Trent there. Um, and what was the first part of the question again, you got me.
0: Uh, the spacing of the players, it's, 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 I think some of this core channel uh, lamented that we haven't gone back to the 4-4-2 and that are, we're, we're playing more open uh, in the midfield and is that a function of who's in there? As you say, Henderson in there closes a lot
2: of gaps. Um, that's, that's definitely where I'm sitting. If if you're know somebody, if you going to have the likes of Harvey Elliott and Thiago on the pitch at the same time, you need your workhorse to be performing better, and Fab just hasn't been at the races at all this season. Um, it's very difficult to let the creative juices flow when your midfield can be bypassed in in a in a in a quick run or an easy pass. That's where I sit, uh, anyway.
0: Gally, what do you think of it?
1: I do think that they've spread too far apart. I think we also. To your point about Thiago, I'm not going to say the experiment is over. I will say this. He was brought in to enhance what Genie did to the side, right? He was Genie's replacement. He was a year too late, but he was Genie's replacement. That has not worked because they didn't replace Genie. And they thought they could get around replacing him by bringing in a player like Thiago, playing Curtis Jones more, who's never fit, but everyone tells me he's always available. Um, you know, and even when he does, he's, he really ceases to light the world on fire. The 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 thing I have with Tiago is is let's be honest, this is the biggest issue no one wants to talk about all the time, and it's why we're gonna go spend one hundred and fifty million on Bellingham if we can. Cato was bought to play the role that Jude Bellingham is supposed to come in and do. When we bought Nabi Keita, if he lived up to the hype, we thought, when we got the Bundesliga Player of the Year, right, we thought we were getting a box-to-box midfielder that was going to play on the opposite side of Henderson and do a job. Now, where I'm frustrated is today screamed for a Keita start. This is the type of team Keita excels against, against a Brentford, against the side that sits back, against a side that plays direct at you. Yet Klopp's got him sitting on the bench to trot Tiago out there for a third time in a week, which can't be good for the old man's legs. He's already run Henderson into the ground. And I feel a Tiago and Elliott midfield is always done balanced. And I, I really felt like it like and Kada might be done. He might be gone. But he's still on the roster. And for two matches in a row, it's been when Kada has been instituted into the midfield that it started to look better. And we've started to drive forward. And I just feel like this is the one thing. We're going to get to Klopp, right, and his man management later on. But this is one of the things I do feel like we've started to see rear its ugly head a little bit. Is that he kind of wrote Kata off clearly at the end of the summer for whatever reason. And maybe he had right to do it. But then you got to go out and buy a player whether you love him or not and waiting to get Arthur Mello uh, five minutes before the deadline ends, and then sending Keita to Siberia and not putting him on your Champions League roster. That wasn't a way to give him a shot back in, and I feel like that kind of ran him out. And I got to watch Ox start three times on the wing while Naby Keita sitting 11th on the bench. I, it's, this is where I'm starting to struggle because it's easy, right, to give passes when you're winning every match and the teeth are at the podium. It's a lot harder to stomach it when you're going listening to the post-match presser and we're blaming the opponent for outplaying us. And that's what Jurgen Klopp did today. He blamed the opponent for being more prepared, a better side, and being ready for the match. It's kind of embarrassing, to be honest.
0: James, that's also a good point about Ox. So um, Thiago is, I mean, he's in the twilight of his career, so to speak, age-wise at least. Uh, Ox is Ox. hes I actually can't remember how old he is, but he just seems like he's 40 years old with the way his body breaks down constantly. I think I, I'd have more robustness, and I'm I, I made of marshmallow. Um, and then we had, as we saw in the picture, we had um, in the graphic, we had Harvey Elliott essentially playing Mo's role as a left winger, a right winger, pardon me, uh, along with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, it, it, did, did we shoot ourselves in the foot by not even getting a, just a, an athletic workhorse, like almost a Wilfred Indeedy type, um, who's not necessarily the most skillful player, but will give you the work rate? Or Dewsbury Hall for Leicester, actually, now, because he's actually a better example, who doesn't really have the, the ball skills, but will run and run and run. And to at least, if you turn out a starter, will give Fabinho some rest. Um, because right now, it's Fabinho, Milner, or Henderson for that defensive midfield role, isn't it? It's essentially oh. three old guys. Um, like, uh, how do we solve that, or do we? Does that get left up to somebody else to put that question out there?
2: I mean, at this stage, I'd, I'd much rather see Bagadich out there than, than trotting Fab out there again. I know Gally has his issue with the kids, but the way, the way that young fella conducts himself when he gets out onto the pitch, he's afraid of no man and throws himself into tackles. And I know we've all got our reservations about Harvey's um, physical physicality, but, um, Barkadish has shown none of that and, and shown up for it and shown, um, a lot of, uh, proficiency in the middle of the park. So I don't know. I mean, you're absolutely right. We do need, uh, a workhorse to be brought in immediately, um, this week, if at all possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jewsbury Hall, we've seen it. We played Leicester. He walked right through us. We, we need somebody who's going to, um, stand up to the rigors of of Liverpool Football Club, like we said on the Thursday night, you know, like it, it, you need somebody who's going to have that um, mentality, first of all, but the endurance in their body, um, you know, whether we like it or not, James Milner is there and could probably do a better job than than Fabinho did today and, and has been looking to be doing, you know, it's, very difficult to take you know and when, when you see and you know that these players have it in them and it, it just seems to be evading them you know
0: uh galley just because i know you're always uh interested in the financial side and the transfers etc it seems to me that that water carrier that um you know the the just the pure that's there to break up the play that seems almost like the the cheapest and easiest transfer to go out and get doesn't it
1: yeah. I mean, I, I think there are guys out there to be had now. I, you know, we get into this all the time of who is actually available. Right. And then we get into the prices. Cause you can say all the names you want out there. Everyone would like to get Bellingham in. Everyone would like to get Amrabad in, you know, other than the Irish guys on this podcast, some guys would like to see Declan Rice come in. I'm joking gentlemen, but it, there are lots of players out there that people would like to see. Right. But they're not available. They're not available now. Amra Bat, Amra Bat might be, um, but they keep saying that they're trying very hard to give him a new deal and, and re-up him. Um, you know, do you do you stump up for an Ndidi? Do you try to sign a, a Driesa Gay type talent? I know we're not signing an Everton player, but I'm talking a player of that ilk, someone who just comes in and breaks up play and honestly does a job that I don't think Will allow Cato to do, and that I don't think Harvey Elliott's ready to do. And here's the thing: I'm not saying that the Bashatich kid isn't there because he comes in and he scores the great goal right the other day, and he gets the winner. It was
2: the tackle that caught my eye before the goal. No, it
1: was it was great. You know what caught my eye? He gets a sub the next match and Klopp is literally f bombing him off the pitch for a mistake that almost led to a goal. And I think he's just too green. To be put in the position. See, my problem is is we need Fab to get back to his best because our defense right now is so shaky. It needs a shield in front of it. It used to be they played off of each other. They made Fab better by knowing if he missed a tackle, they'd bail him out behind him. And they knew that they could dive in on something because he was there to shield them off and help. And I just don't feel like there's any confidence right now around the base. Where I would argue it a little is, is I think Fab's actually looked better in the last couple matches. Now, maybe that's because everybody around him, between Henderson, Elliott, and Tiago, in the last couple matches have looked so poor. I thought he's actually looked okay and and starting to get a little bit back to his level. If we start playing the Basetich kid in the six right now, we're playing a 19-year-old in critical minutes we might as well prepare for the best-case scenario to be playing in the Europa League next year. Because if we want to get back to the Champions League, we gotta, we're got to we going to have to push our senior-level players, in my opinion. Because this is going to take something that we haven't had in quite a few years. We are in for like a real, real fight. It was, it was one thing with all the injuries and playing midfielders at center back. We had excuses built in. There's no excuses built into this team, except for letting the club down and the badge on the front of the jersey down, to me. This is if they don't get top four, this is epic failure from everyone from the board to the boot guy. Uh, Jamie, let,
0: let, let's uh, let's take a slight meander from that point. Um, here's my question we lost uh Michael Edwards there, um, a while back, and then his replacement is leaving. Uh, I can never remember his replacement's name. He, he wasn't, he wasn't Julian, as media Ward. Savvy. De- Julian Ward, he's not as media savvy, uh, but he does he does sound like a 1970s photographer. Um, but are we in trouble transfer wise? Do, have we lost the mojo in terms of transfers, or, or is or is this just
2: a, a kink in the line? It's possibly a bit too early to tell, given that it's you know the second day of the year. Um, but until this until this window closes and until the next window closes, I think then the writing will be on the wall by then. Um, you know Klopp has apparently an iPad full of potential players so it's about time that list was revised and looked over and and you know with a lot of dead weight um hanging around the club that needs to get shifted out realistically we we could do with an influx of of, of talent um so time will definitely tell end of this window possibly not because already people are talking about were one and done in the transfer window, which to me um, <laughs> sounds like it could happen. <laughs> um, you know, historically we, we we haven't got the checkbook out and a lot of us are getting fed up with that. So I think time will tell, um, especially with the summer comes around. Um, this window is important for me I think we we still if we're if we're gonna get a work course in we need to do it early rather than wait to deadline day and and shoot ourselves yet again in the foot um but definitely summertime is going to be key um a lot of weight right now has been placed in bellingham's hands and I, I, listen if it happens fantastic if it doesn't I want to see three to four quality sign-ins come in um and even if bellingham does come in i, I still want to see one or two more bellingham by no means is is this magic wave of the wand it's not all just going to happen he is a, a brilliant talent but nobody sorts this kind of fuck up up op- overnight because we are Gally's not wrong we are staring at um there's a long way to go in the season but we're staring down the barrel of the gun right now if, if things don't go the way we want um It could potentially set us back a couple of years when, in all honesty, the writing has been on the wall. We need it to splash the cash. We haven't bought a midfielder. And the fact that Nabi Keita is still our most expensive midfielder is absolute, it's madness.
0: And Gally, just uh, in terms of, you know, we talk about the transfer window starting, let's say. Mm -hmm. But they can be doing their work long before the actual official day. And then register and sign the players on the day. It doesn't seem like we've done any work, does it? We uh, almost like we reacted to Gakpo from the World Cup more than more than somebody who, who was on the, the radar for a long time. Uh, because you would think if we had identified the problem areas, we would have three signings ready to go on the first of January or or whenever the day is. Do you think we, we're yeah. dropping the ball a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The GACPO signing lets you know they can get the work done early if they want to. It also lets you know from if you believe the reports, they literally got into the bidding on like Tuesday and closed the damn thing on like Thursday afternoon. It was like bing bang. They said it was does like a that, 72 hour total transfer.
2: But does that not and like I think, raise a massive red flag anyway? Like that's reactionary, not pro <laughs> proactive, you know?
1: Well, but I think that they had the player on their radar. I think they heard the player was going to go to United possibly, and the fee was X. And I think they looked at the player's skill sets. They looked at that. It was only $37 million, and they thought to themselves, wait, he's willing to sign a deal. He wants to come here. We can sign him. We can hurt a rival going for top four. And, oh, by the way, we need a left winger right now because our two left wingers are out. And I also think this speaks a little bit more. I think they think the Diaz injury might be a lot worse. Like we're saying April and they might be thinking like April is if it all works out, but if we could, we might like to just shut him down as much as possible towards the end of the season and let him come back in August, fully healthy. Cause I mean, it was a, it was a major injury. Then it was a setback and anyone who's ever had a knee or a, a, you know, A structural issue, Jamie, I know, I think you've had some knees, right? You've had knee surgeries, haven't you, in your days playing?
2: Uh, No Um, no knee surgery, but I did tear my... It it was an ACL avulsion, so what it does is it it ripped the tendon from the bone. Luckily enough, no (laughs) surgery was needed. It was able to grow back. But yeah, I mean, if you re-aggravate a a serious injury like that, you're done.
1: That was kind of where I was going, is you don't really know until you let it heal. And I think this is a little bit... I hate to say it. It's a little bit of insurance. I also think we needed a fifth or sixth attacker and we don't know if Bobby's going to resign. We want him to, but we don't know he's going to the kid plays all the positions. The Gattpo thing makes sense to me, but I said this the day they signed him. I'm only okay with this signing. If you get me a midfielder by the end of the window, if you tell me that 40 million was all we had to spend, you are derelict to your duties. And you've let me down as a supporter of this club. And you know, they kept saying the funds would be available because the need was there. Now you got to, you know, I've been defending FSG for a decade. Time to put your money up where your mouth is. Cause I know, cause I was in their stupid stadium watching, well, funnily enough, watching their hockey team play against the Boston Bruins today at Fenway park in their stadium. Um, Cause I was at the winter classic and it was a good time. And the only thing that made it at all appealing was was I was able to get the Liverpool game turned on in the suite that we were on, and they were all mad at me for getting the hockey game outside turned off. And I was like, "Well, you people are effing here. Go outside and watch the goddamn game. I'm going to sit in here and watch a real sport." Um, but just
0: uh, uh, to add to Jamie's red flag point, I mean, and, and it combines both of your points there. If we if all we end up doing is buying Gakpo and not any of the deficiencies we need i mean we still need a backup a proper functioning backup right now for trent alexander arnold it's not gomez um and it's not the young lad who got injured because he's injured um, he's healthy he's healthy oh he's well healthy. there you go he's he just man. refuses
1: <laughs> he refuses to play him he plays him um, in the youth teams he looks good he just it, this is what's maddening uh, but that, but
0: what what, we, what what, my point is, is that, you know, we, we don't seem to have an awful lot of look aheadness to kind of phrase. Uh, we know, I mean, the average drunk guy in the pub knows where Liverpool's deficiencies are. Uh, does it beg the question that either the club doesn't see it or the club sees it and there's either no money to do anything about it or the new transfer people are not good enough to get the job done? Jamie, what do you think?
2: It's crazy. It's crazy to think that a club like Liverpool haven't got the um, finances, the balls, the gumption to, to go out and get these sign-ins over the line on on the first of every window. Um, there's been a lot of it recently. A, a whole slew, like a lot of our sign-ins seem to be reactionary. And, you know, everybody seems to say, oh, well, if you play well against Liverpool chances are you're going to get signed, you know. Darwin, Mane, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, it, it's it's a wonder, you know, everybody keeps, um, well, or in the past had waxed lyrical about how good Julian Ward was, about how good Michael Edwards was getting the, the, the sign-ins that we did over the line. Um, the style of business, the the, the pay structure, everything. You know, we're still paying wolves for Jota for fuck's sake. Um you know, I, I I don't know. The answer is, um, we need we need whatever it is, if Klopp it has got more fingers in the pies right now, we need to, you know, somebody needs a fire under their arse basically, because we need, you know, I know Ramsey, the issue there. Um you know, he could be protecting him. The last thing you want to do is ruin a 19-year-old's career. Um,
0: we, still back,
2: we, still back career we still need, Shaw. Unless it's look We still need backup. We still need backup on the right wing for Mo. Um, we still need a CDM. We still need to replace Genie. You know, there, 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 there's a whole bunch of things here that we're going to be doing, and especially with all this dead weight that we should be shifting along any any day now. Um, if not in the summer, your nabbies, your oxes, blah blah blah. We 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 really need to get the finger out. And and it, if it is true that Klopp has this iPad full of potential signings, well, like I said before, it's about time that we um we sifted through that iPad and started uh, seeing who's available, who wants to come, how much they are, and um and how hungry they are because. We've got a job on our hands, and, and we need them in before deadline day.
0: Uh, Gally, um just to take another little, little detour again with what Jamie said yep. there. If it's a case that Klopp has more involvement in the transfers than he had before, say, and if he does have this iPad, which let, let's be honest, everybody who plays championship manager or football manager or whatever, or FIFA, has an iPad full of players or fancy it doesn't really matter in this day of data and information, everybody can find the obscurest players somewhere because there's a rating or a ranking or a scouting report that you can pay into, like Y Scout or whatever. Um, where you can find it, there's no special um credit for having an iPad full of players. But, but, but regardless of all a... that,
2: let's let's not forget Klopp's a uh interna- or a, a European manager, he should know a wealth of talent in Germany and you know all that sorry but go ahead
0: but what what my point was going to be is he's never had that kind of power before in transfers right because at Dortmund he had Zork and here he had Edwards and before that um uh who was before Edwards um it it was it was the chairman wasn't it (laughs) you'll know (laughs) when you say yeah but he'd never had that kind of power before and we 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 can joke about a tent all the time about uh, you know our, our dearly beloved Brendan Rogers, but he's clearly somebody who should not be let anywhere near transfer and and just restrict his duties to the the coaching field because that's where his strength is. Um are we seeing maybe that Klopp and his apparent new power in the transfer business is probably not the best combination for us?
1: Yeah, I, I, I've never been a big fan of the manager that has full carte blanche and total say in any sport, by the way, whether it's NFL football. I think you, you just, it is hard to do five different jobs at a world class level when you're asked to do them at such a high level. And I think managing Liverpool Football Club and everything that comes with it, from the press responsibilities to the media to the players to the man management. I think that takes enough skill sets out of one person that, you know, picking the groceries and shopping for them and making the meal and then putting it out on the plate and serving it might be too much when you're also asked to then clean up the canteen and get ready for tomorrow's breakfast, right? Like, it just seems like it might be too much. Should he have a say in these things? Yes, should there maybe have been a more comfortable balance than there might have been two or three years ago where it was like, we will give you these types of players and you will work with those players. And yes, I wish that we could just slam dunk hit home runs and just find these world-class talents and pick them out of, you know, the Bundesliga and pick them out of Syria, pick them out of the championship. But nobody was clamoring when Jurgen Klopp and the transfer committee signed Andy Robertson. I remember we were getting a kid from, you know, that just got Hall relegated and he's going to be our left back. I remember people being like, well, he's just Alberto Moreno's backup. You know, no one was so high on Jeannie when he came in and he was just, you know, a relegated midfielder at Newcastle. I think some of that comes with it too, is that, you know, these players have been made to become great signings, some of which done by the transfer committee. Klopp had his fingerprints on those players, right? He he liked these players. Well, he also talked about how Sako someday, Mamadou Sako was going to be captain of the club someday and then sent him home on the next on the next American trip for acting like a moron. And I just feel like he's so hot and cold at times with players, yet He's allowed, to Jamie's point, he's allowed all this dead weight to hang out. And I know I've said it on this podcast before. That's the difference between Klopp and Pep. Pep is maniacal with his roster. He's constantly fighting to bring in new players and more competition. And he jettisons players as soon as he thinks they are no longer fit for the the task. Ox should have been pushed out of this club two or three years ago. To Jamie's point, Naby probably should have been pushed out. We should have pushed Phillips out when he had high value. But for whatever reason, it's always with Klopp. If you want to be here, there's a spot for you until your contract runs out. And then we lose players. And as a club that has to sell to buy, in some ways, I question whether or not Jurgen Klopp's man management style hasn't hindered us buying more players because he's made it comfortable for players sitting on the fringes to just collect a big paycheck. When other managers have you training with the reserves, and pushing you out to go find another club, and also bringing in fees, and I, I think we've we've really lost in selling, the last two or three windows, and I think it's hurt us in buying, and I and I think Klopp, in my opinion, doesn't get enough stick for that, while we're giving him more power in the buying, he probably needed more power in getting people out the club.
2: Jamie, let me just address that there. I think think that's a great point, and I think it's very matter of fact and very black and white, and it doesn't allow for the romanticism that Klopp has. And I know romantics don't win you medals and and all the rest of it, but you know Pep is very maniacal, very, very like that. And look, we can talk about budget and all the rest, but. What I will say is, if we didn't have somebody like Klopp, we wouldn't have those Divagarigi moments. We wouldn't have those Shakiri moments. We wouldn't have those bit part players. I don't think um, he definitely can be called into question for for holding on to these players. But I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think I would rather have. <laughs> it's easy to say, but a, <laughs> a combination of the both, you know, you that you would have. the the money to to hire and fire at will, but um, hang on to your James Milners and your Mm -hmm. Oxes just in case. I mean, it it, it's mad how how difficult it is, but difficult. Like managing a squad, I think I would much rather have Klopp style than Pep style, even with all the medals and bullshit that come with it, it. It his his style seems to be, you know, it, it's the, the, the Klopp hug style, you know. Uh
0: But uh, Jamie, we, we frequently on the Thursday podcast, we, we get to reminisce about the past a lot and we, we reference the past. Uh, one accusation that was always leveled at Bill Shankly was that he was too attached to his players. He was too emotional and too romantic with them that the, the 65 team that won in the cup, he would not get rid of them for love nor money because anyway. they won the FA Cup with them. And um, Klopp seems to have a lot of that about him, doesn't he, Jamie? It's it's, it's almost like, uh, like I will, I will say that my judgment of Pep Guardiola is that Pep Guardiola is a minor sociopath, and I, I mean that in the strict medical clinical terms of it, in that he doesn't really empathize with other people's feelings when he makes a decision. It's literally what's going to be good for Pep, which is to win. Whereas Klopp seems to, I, I know he's talked before about his Christian faith, just to kind of put a little twist on it. Um, but he does seem to empathise a lot with players, doesn't he? And that's almost part of the criticism, is that he wants, you know, he wants Ox to have the good season. He wants Naby to turn it around. He wants Elliot to be the match winner at uh, 19, 20 years of age. Um, and, and it's a nice kind of way to be in society and in general, but it isn't an effective way to be in terms of winning, is it? And we've seen that before because Paisley was ruthless and won more than Bill Shankly in less time. Um, so is it something that we're just going to have to accept with Klopp that he is a romantic and he is going to make decisions that are based on emotion rather than logic?
2: Look, we all love a hopeless romantic, don't we? That's that, that's my stick, and I'm sticking to it. Um, it it must be difficult to be a, a, a manager on, on top form. And look, Klopp, Klopp has his fingers in all the pies with the transfers, and we all know that he pushed over the line for VVD. We waited for him, and and he once he wants a player, he wants a player, and has a hard time kind of veering off track with that. But I mean, he does have a great backroom staff, and and Gallian, you know that too. You met Big John Actaberg, but like you know, Peter Pep, they're all. It is a big family, and. And that's kind of where i'm at I, I kind of as ruthless as pep is and as much money as they have um they can go out and do and buy whoever maybe that is just the red tinted glasses that i wear on a day-to-day basis that is my liverpool fandom and my liverpool life it's i'd much rather have that than not um i would much rather have a manager that would like I say, I say this all the time. You you would run through a brick wall for Klopp. It just seems to be right now. I don't know why players aren't doing it, and and we we need to get back to that sort of gung ho mentality where 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 you will where you will live and die in those ninety minutes for your manager. And I think I think what happens is Klopp is emotionally invested in the club, and I love that. Like he puts out the 11 and we can talk about the 11 that was put out today. And he puts out that 11 and he wants them to do the job. I think he, I think he believes they can do the job, but when they don't, you know, he gets a lot of grief for not um, reaming them out in the, in the post-match presser and things like that. And I think, I think it doesn't do anybody good. And that, that boils down to Klopp can do and say what he wants in front of the press, Behind closed doors is a different thing, and I think he will be slating these players. And look, you you don't have to be an idiot to play football. Not none of these guys are are under any illusions. They know they played shit. They, they're not coming off that pitch thinking, "Oh, I done all right there." You know, Costa, Simeikis, Fabinho. You know, all these players who who are under the gun, they're under no illusions. And and no matter how much of a hopeless romantic Klopp is, he will have went into that dressing room at halftime. And he will have went into that dressing room at full time and told them exactly what he thinks. You know, there, there's there's a right way and a wrong way to do things, and 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 the classic club hug, like he he's not going in there and saying, "All right, lads, well done. We'll go, we'll get him again next week." You know, there will be a bit of grief given tonight, and I think we just need to get back to having a bit of a spine because we're we're missing it. We're missing that graft. We're missing that hard work.
0: Uh, Gally, um here's my take on what Jamie said. Jamie can chime in as well if you want to that. Um, I think he's he, he's right that he probably does, you know, give the boys the business if they don't play well. You know, behind closed doors, of course you could probably you could probably put your your tumbler up to the wall uh, in the dressing rooms after a game and hear it. Um, but on the other hand, James Milner said in an interview, I believe it was this week, um, that after we lost the Champions League.
2: I think it was... Uh, um, no, it was the yeah, Europa so it was League. The podcast. It was the it podcast probably, yeah. and it was the Europa it, League. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was the Europa um, League Europa final
1: League. the first year.
2: And, and
0: what what he said was, was that Klopp wanted them to party, to forget about the result and, you know, we play 100%, we party 100%. And it seems to me that in light of what Jamie just said there, it's quite possible that as much as he Fs and blinds at them for a poor performance, he then puts his arm around them and tells them it's all going to be okay to keep trying, which is a good way to be in general, and it, it is you usually motivational. But if you get that year after year, if you're a long-term person, Mentally, at some point you're going to say, it doesn't really matter what I'm going to do, he's going to tell me I'm great anyway, so we'll just do the bare minimum. Even if it's a subconscious thing, I'm going to do the bare minimum because he's going to tell me I'm great anyway because he doesn't want to upset yeah. me.
2: Do you think that's thing. a problem? I will go ahead, Jamie. Thing. You jump in. Europa League final, end of season, last game of the season is a bit different than mid season, and you're in the shit. Oh uh, you know, what I would say season, to end you, of season well, you can put a full stop at the end of it. There's there's no more football. Mid season, those lads need a, a a Raymond. And I dare say I Well, that's true.
1: There, there's no question but, there, but, but, but the idea point that I'm he, making,
2: yeah,
0: go ahead. the, just the point I make uh, we're making two points. Number one, you can't imagine Alex Ferguson thinking that way. You can't if he Ever. lost the final. His his players were hearing about it until the following, you know, whatever their their exit training session is uh, at the, the the next day. Um, but also at the same time, the, the point I'm making is not not that you know it was the end of season, but that he he didn't see losing as necessarily a bad thing. Like you you get you get the criticism out of the way, but life goes on. Whereas those kind of sociopathic kind of managers and coaches in all sports were like, we're here to win. You didn't win. Therefore, we have to look at something else. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Is it, a, though, flaw, is it season, a flaw in Klopp's it was, character?
2: At the end of the season, what good is shouting at your players? At the, what good is shouting at your players at the end of the season?
1: I think, I think in that, in Milner's case, though, Milner was saying, Klopp wanted us to sing together as a team. And we were like fuck you we don't want to sing and he was like we just lost a final and he was like i know but i'm the fucking manager and you'll sing and they all sang we
2: lost the champions league final and they took us out in a a bus parade of the city i think
1: it's i think it's to your point though jamie is that's the way that he manages these players now to maka's point though i'll share a quick story here right when i was in high school I was in on a JV basketball team. That was really, really good. Like we went undefeated. We played against kids. We actually played against the kid who went to the NBA. We were one of the only people to ever beat him while he was in high school. And we played a crazy Friday night game and we were the JV team. And we won by 20 against the team we were supposed to lose to. And everyone knew in town, we were having these huge parties, right? And the varsity team lost by like 40 points and embarrassed themselves. The next morning, we showed up at like 8 a.m. for practice on school vacation, and we, the winning team, ran suicides up and down the court until the first guy got sick because they knew we were going out drinking as high school kids. And the varsity team that lost by 30 showed up to literally donuts and coffee. And we were all like, what the bleep? But at the end of the year, our team went undefeated, and they let themselves down. But their coach coached them that way. And I think to Maka's point, there is a point where you start to get the warm, you get too many hugs. You get too many cuddles on the sidelines. Whether you're getting yelled at or not, we might have lost Maka. Um, if we did, we'll hold out until he jumps back in. But you know what I mean, Jamin? I'm not saying that's clop I don't think he's lost this team. That's not my point. But where my point of that story was, was that there is a time, there is a time where too much love and too much cuddles where the message just starts to get lost. And I worry, I never wanted to say it, but I do worry that we are at the exact seven to eight year window that Klopp ended his time in Mainz poorly. He ended his time at Dortmund and it's not that different. What we're seeing on the pitch and in the transfer and guys just looking gas tired, mentally unable to keep up with his managing style and the play on the pitch i don't want it to be the case it's why i think we need four or five players because i don't want a new manager but if you only buy one or two new players you probably it probably has to change from the top down because these guys look absolutely i mean they look like shells of themselves on the pitch i'm uh, just Glad to, to kind of add
0: yeah, It was the talk about the warm hugs. It, it set me off. It was a, <laughs> an emotional experience. Um, but just to, just to add like to that as another example, is that um, a few of Shankly's players that were there for a long time, I think said, uh, I, you, I think Ian St. John was one who said it, and, and um, uh, Ron Yates said it as well, at some point all his great speeches and his great psychologies with the players, they'd seen it all before and it stopped working with them. And I think Tommy Smith was one of the biggest ones as well because they had a fallen out in 1974. Yep. I think it was 73, 74, uh, which they which they repaired. But it was a case of I've heard, I've seen all this before, and it's just stopped being effective for me. Uh, which, which is, I think, to uh, uh, to add to your point there, Gali, and then uh, to put it onto Jamie there, you don't want to replace the manager, but if you're above Klopp in the in the echelons. And you're looking at the performance of the team and hopefully thinking this way. Uh, do you think you should be saying, you know, we're not we don't want to get rid of the club. Let's start getting rid of some of these players and replacing the players who don't know the message yet, and maybe we'll get us back up to there. What do you think, Jamie?
2: Look, to kind of put a final nail on it, look, if you're if you're the Sir Alex type and the hairdryer is all you know, that weighs on players too. You know, the the if that's all you know is being shouted at, then you know. Look, I've, in in what is it? In glorious bastards, I've been chewed out before. You know, like it there's. I think Klopp has that two sides to his coin. Like we all can see the passion that Klopp has. He can be angry, but he can also throw the arm around you. I don't think I would ever see Sir Alex throwing the arm around too many. I don't think I would see Pep giving too many hugs out. I think behind closed doors is a different thing in front of the media is a different thing. Like, I, I think Klopp can use both of those tactics to his ability. So I think in in thinking that Klopp's too nicey-nicey and too much of a field romantic, I think I think you're maybe looking too closely. But I think... Um,
0: but just, I, I don't, that's not what I'm what? saying, though. I'm not saying he's too nicey-nicey. What I'm saying is that when he gives you the hairdryer, he throws his arm around you and then tells you that you're still a good player. Whereas Alex Ferguson will tell you you're crap. And that's the message you get until you improve. Um, but on top of that, he'll also get rid of players. He, uh, and Pep does the same as well, as you mentioned. Get rid of players who aren't hearing the message anymore, whereas Klopp seems to be very emotionally attached to the players. And even if they're not getting the message, he still thinks there's a chance they might. And it, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's It's not. It's not that he's too nice. It's that he's too emotionally invested in the players. I mean, he's not a sociopath.
2: I mean, he's yeah. got rid of players in the past. It's not that he hasn't. You know?
1: Who? Who'd they sell? What was the last player they sold for of, a
2: real? He got rid of Mamadou, no. didn't they? We, we broke he, up, we...
1: he? He sent him home and then put him out on loan and then sold him for nothing. If anything, he lost him to by not utilizing and selling a player at a height. We we let emerjan walk for nothing. Could have got a fee for him. We've allowed Ox to linger here for three-plus years without getting a fee for him. We're not going to get a fee for Keita, even though, to your point, Jamie, he's our all-time biggest buy, and someone like Milan last summer would have gave us $20 million. We would have recouped something. The only sales we've had has been us fleecing other clubs for youngsters that we built up because Klopp is really good at building people up and then got rid of before their value showed you know Solanke's a good example jordan ibe's a good example harry wilson's a good example i mean the only profits we've made have been selling current players we haven't i mean mane somewhat but to be honest if you're going to sell money we probably sold him a year too early because the, the year before is, we probably not... would have fetched 60 70 million but we have the to is, sell to buy
2: the thing is we shouldn't be a selling club anymore and and to your Naby point, I mean, look, we're we're very we're all very grateful we've got Nabi Keita right now. I mean, I absolutely I'm on board with what you're saying. We could have made some money off him, but the fact of the matter is, we spent 50 million on him. We've probably got as much blood out of that stone as we're ever going to get. And sure. for the next for the next couple of months, we can be very thankful we've got him because we're it just in the to, market for I, a midfielder. You know, and I
1: don't disagree, Jamie. My point is, is the whole thing with Klopp and the moves are is whether the message is getting lost. Something has happened where these players are no longer able to get up to the level that is required to play in his system. So we either needed some recruitment and he's signed three extensions since coming to Liverpool. So I don't want to hear that. He doesn't believe in the owners or he doesn't believe in the recruitment strategy. So he's got some say in this too. I don't think he needs to go. I do think that this team needs massive influx of adult footballers to come in and fill gaps because I think there is a huge gap growing right now between us and City, and unfortunately, there's a new player on that block because right now, top to bottom, Arsenal has jumped us as a club. They have more talent top to bottom than we do they are a more balanced side than us top to bottom and i think over the next four to five years they're more equipped to compete at the top level of this league than we are and we know city is the animal that is so you know with newcastle and united coming along i just feel like it it, this is a precipice time for this club i think this next six months is probably the biggest time in Klopp's tenure at liverpool honestly these next six months leading up to june
2: for me, um, I'm just gonna say one more thing. For me, yep. I think it boils down to a lot of it's on the players now. Like I think a lot of fans want to blame Klopp for this, want to blame Klopp for that. There's only so much that man can do. He sends the eleven out. It's on them to perform. I think there's a lot of players that are just on standby right now, and I think if those players were to answer a certain few questions honestly, then there would be much more graph much more effort to put in.
0: I think, uh, well, uh, to wrap it up for tonight, it just remains to be said, they don't have enough threshold questions, Jamie. That's probably what the problem is. They don't have enough. Would you rather have Nunez's hair or teeth? Um But yes, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, that's a good one. It's a conundrum. And I'm sure something we're going to continue maybe on Thursday for Thursday night show. Um, We've no morning coffees this week, and um, there's no EPL review show this week. Uh, but the fantasy football, yeah, we're will be gonna on Thursday,
1: fantasy uh Thursday night. We will have uh the Thursday uh weekly podcast 8 p.m. or 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, Eastern, and then yeah, and then nine o'clock right after it, we're gonna follow up with a live fantasy review. We'll look at this week and last week's matchups. We're just gonna do one fantasy show a week. It's too hard right now to try to get a live fantasy show up and running in between every match week. Heck, we would have had to done it Sunday night because they gave us a whole one day, those bastards, um, and their servers still didn't work to let me get my transfers in in time. But, um, no, I, we're going to have that fantasy show Thursday night, and we would love to start to see some more interaction on that following your guys' great podcast. So, uh And then this week, that will probably be it. There will be no uh, morning coffee this week or a portion of next week until Timuchin is back from vacation. So we'll make sure and get a post out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, letting everyone know uh, the night before we go back live with the morning shows. So next um, American Scouser content will be Thursday night with you guys at 8 o'clock.
0: And uh, that just also uh, leaves me to say to make sure everybody likes us and subscribes us on the aforementioned Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listens to us on Spotify as well. Because um, if you don't, us three will go around to your house and argue. Because um, that's what we, we're good at doing. And, and we won't stop. I'm going to be loud and we'll drink all your tea. Uh, but it just reminds me to say, uh, Jamie, great to see you as always. Gally, it's great to see you as always. Um, and let us just keep going forward, Reds. We can discuss till the cows come home and we can debate and argue and converse and agree. But in the end, we're still Reds and nobody else is. And that's to their detriment. Um, So have a good night and a fantastic new year, boys, and to everybody else as well. And we will see you at the next American Scouser TV show. Peace out, boys. Happy days, Reds.